0: Welcome back to the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I am your host, as always, Robbie Burke. And before we get into today's show, I just want to give a shout out to all of the show's sponsors. Firstly, upmentorship.com, which is one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today. The Ultimate Performance Online Mentorship is 20 hours of top class strength and conditioning information available for instant access right at your fingertips. To find out more, head over to upmentorship.com which is linked up in the show notes, check it out and help support the show. Next, I want to give a shout out to Altus 360 and Altus Education, which are two outstanding online resources for any practitioner in the sports preparation profession. Be sure to head over to the show notes and check out these unique platforms. Next, I want to give a shout out to Joseph Johnson at Ultimate Alley Concepts. Ultimate Ally Concepts is a multifaceted company providing the most sophisticated scientific material in sports science. Ultima Alley Concepts is the world's leading resource for translated sports preparation material. Next, I want to give a shout out to Pat B's National Sports Performance Association, which is an online certification platform for professionals within the sports preparation profession. Currently, the NSPA has four certifications available. Speed and Agility, delivered by Lee Taft. Olympic Weightlifting, delivered by Will Fleming. Nutrition, delivered by Dr. Chris Moore and program design delivered by coach Robert Remedios. For more information on the NSPA, be sure to check out all of the links in the show notes. Finally, I want to thank another brainchild of Pat Beef's, Athletes Acceleration, which is another online medium that delivers excellent educational resources for strength and conditioning professionals. And just like with all of our other sponsors, head over to the show notes to get the links to all of the available products that Athletes Acceleration has to offer. A full disclosure, except for Altus 360 and Altus Education, I am an affiliate to all of the show sponsors. Lastly, before we get into today's interview, I just wanted to let all the listeners know that the podcast is now on Patreon. If you feel that you are in a position to support the show, I would truly appreciate any donations you'd be willing to make to help support the podcast. Okay, that's enough rambling from me. Let's get into today's show. This episode's guest is Greg Shibley from OnTrack Physiotherapy and SportsRehabexpert.com. Greg is a doctor of physical therapy, a certified strength and conditioning specialist, owner of on physiotherapy, and owner of the online educational resource for sports and orthopedic clinicians, sports rehab expert. Greg attended the University of Finley, where he earned his Doctorate of Physical Therapy. While attending the University of Finley, he competed as an athlete in both indoor and outdoor track and field, where he earned honours as a five-time Division II All-American and six-time Division II Academic All-American. Good man, Greg. Fair play to you, bud. In addition to treating clients, Greg also provides educational information and online courses to other sports and orthopedic clinicians, once again, through his website, Sports Rehab Expert. As a doctor of physical therapy and as a certified strength and conditioning specialist and a former collegiate athlete, Greg brings a unique perspective to his treatment approach. This gives him the ability to combine aspects of rehabilitation and training during evaluation, as well as when formulating a treatment plan. When you don't find Greg in the clinic treating his patients, he enjoys spending time with family and friends, living an active lifestyle, coaching, and playing sports. He is an avid Lions, Pistons, and most importantly, Michigan Wolverines fan. On this episode, Greg and I discuss a lot of topics. Firstly, we get into Greg's background. I ask Greg, where is Joe Heiler? Where did that man go? Uh, Then we get into Greg's rehabilitation system. This is a really great discussion with Greg. I asked Greg about return to performance and his discharge process. Greg shares with us a case study on an American football punter. I asked Greg what have been the biggest lessons he has learned so far in his life. I asked Greg how he learns. I asked Greg, is there anything he does on a daily basis that is essential to his day? I asked Greg about his biggest influences on him, both professionally and personally greg gives us his top and current book recommendations i asked greg if you only had one year left on planet earth how would he spend that year and why and finally i asked greg if you can invite five people to dinner dead or alive who would he invite and why guys this is a great episode with greg and i hope you really really enjoy it greg you absolute beauty we're recording thanks so much for making time today man
1: yeah no problem robbie glad to be here man looking forward to it
0: yeah, me too, me too. So, for the listeners, give us a bit of the background.
1: Yeah, so, uh, physical therapist, uh, strength and conditioning specialist, got my CSCS, uh, kind of started in that world a little bit first uh, after, um, well, while I was going to PT school, uh, I was a grad assistant for the university that I went to college. Uh, I ran track in college, uh, was a five-time Division II All-American, and then got wow. uh, involved with uh, the the graduate assistant program um in the strength program a little bit uh for the track athletes um after uh going through my collegiate career so while i was in pt school i had a nice mix of that was yeah. my undergrad and background and then also uh, got to mix that in a little bit while i was going to pt school but always loved the idea of combining strength and conditioning principles in the physical therapy world um so uh that was my kind of upbringing through it. Uh, I took a big uh, clinical rotation with a guy by the name of Joe Heiler uh, in Traverse City, Michigan. Um, he ran the a website initially sports rehab expert before uh, he uh, handed, handed it over to me um, for various different reasons. Um, and um, uh, so I had a good relationship with him and he kind of really uh, sped up my uh, career uh, development, I would say more than anybody else. So a huge influence on how I practice
0: where is Joe now? He's like, he's just like vanished.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he's, uh, I mean, he's a big family man. So he's, he's still in Travis city. He's got his own practice. Uh, he's got a, when I, when I had my rotation with him, uh, he was a solo practitioner. Um, and, uh, just getting going, but now he's got a lot of people with him, And he's got, uh, last I heard, he's got a performance, uh, aspect to it now too. So it's not just rehab. Um, and, uh, his kids are all end of high school getting into college and uh the clinic's just being busy so he 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 didn't have the time to kind of do the online stuff so that kind of started to go by the wayside but didn't want to see it completely uh go either because he worked hard to get it to where it was at that point in time Um, and we just always had a good connection so um we worked out some things logistically and uh he kind of handed it over to me
0: man i uh it's only recently now um and I'll be honest. Uh, my subscription went out on sports rehab have. The only reason I didn't renew it was because I was just I was like up to me balls and me masters. But I, I was a member on that website for ten years. I only just realised I joined it in like two thousand and nine. I was like, fuck! I've been on that website for ten years. Yeah. um And it's a fantastic resource. And you did a great job updating it, which we'll, we'll plug in definitely towards the end. But Tamir, um I didn't know your background was in track and field. now when you say you run track what what exactly because usually i ran tracks like, again yeah, but like what did you it run be,
1: yeah so 400 meters was oh mine, you
0: man. dirt bird no what are you doing to yourself the worst of the yeah. lot.
1: and then i went down to the 200 i i hated uh, when i had like, to go up to the 800 i usually ran 800 like twice a year to just box <laughs> around the event but uh i was i was more of the sprinter uh mindset uh for that 400 meter runner rather yeah, than a mid-distance yeah. person yeah the 800 must have killed you then did it Okay. It's a different type. So you get uh, 400 meters, you just get that burn in your legs afterwards, yeah, but your yeah. lungs aren't aren't terrible. At 800 meters, it's the opposite. You just get that burn deep in your lungs and your legs are like, man, I could keep going, but my lungs just aren't going to keep up. Yeah. It was the, the running the 800 was always like, man, that first lap around, is like, I ran that, you know, how fast? That was easy compared to like what it is when you just run a 400 meters, but then you get another 100 meters and there's 300 meters left and you're like, oh crap. <laughs>
0: Oh, fuck Here yeah but uh, no i'm just uh, by the way if you see me kind of moving across or scrambling bit,'s bit because i make notes as, as you're talking and i just made a note there like track and field background physio and uh the reason i wrote that down was to remind me say that's a great background to have going in as a physical therapist to have a background in track and field and yeah. because like track and field i mean it's the fundamental uh essence of you know sprint jump and throw which is like underpins almost like every sporting movements, you know, sprint, sprint, jump, and throw. So to have a ground on that is, is phenomenal going into to PT and then also to marry that with strength and conditioning. Just give me a little bit more though of your background. So like uh, when you were younger, I, this is just me, I get selfish. I like to really get to know the individual at the other end of the line because it gives me more frame of reference. So like, where are you from? Big family. Uh, I, know I know your surname's German. We got that at, at the start uh before we hopped on did you play any other sports and um, why why, why uh, physical therapy what got you into that? usually and for that chance usually it's like i got injured when i was a kid and then i went to see a physical therapist and he rescued me and i was like i want a be one
1: but anyway that might be the story at all but go ahead well it's pretty close um so <laughs> yeah, i grew up in a small town outside of ann arbor michigan um so i grew up in a farming community
0: just uh, just before you go on do you know mike then in ann arbor
1: well, so, so, where I practice, this room that you see me in—that's uh, in his gym.
0: I was thinking that because I saw something um, Carval performance in one of your videos. I was thinking that you knew him, already. Oh, go ahead. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we so we actually grew up in the same hometown. We're both from Manchester, Michigan. Um, uh, me, I grew up in a farming and a farming family. Uh, Mike, not so much. So We have a little bit different personalities, there, yes. Which is funny, but uh, we actually were on the same bus route growing up as a kid um but uh yeah so I uh, grew up on a farm um big part of kind of who I am and just kind of the upbringing and, and my uh, personality but also kind of mindset behind things you know putting a lot of hard work in and do things like that I remember I played football basketball and ran track in high school and uh I mean I would remember after double days in football where everybody else is going home playing video games my dad's like we got more hay to bail so <laughs> I'd do double days of football Dem, and go them like,
0: fucking them fucking city kids are soft <laughs> yeah
1: that's uh that's the joke yeah so we always i mean that's the farming community saying you know uh we're harder or tougher than everybody else or yeah. um, i didn't i don't necessarily have the farmer build where you kind of just imagine kind of like a bulkier guy who you know grows up around steering cattle who just drinks like whole milk all the time uh, i'm kind of more of a skinnier wiry kid um but uh yeah so uh, grew up around sports. Basketball was always my favorite, but just happened to be better at running, left around a track, um, and uh, took that to the next level. Got, in, got into yeah, got into rehab anyways because uh, I was always called injury prone. So I've broken three of my four limbs and had numerous other injuries: hamstring, ankle sprains, you know, patellar tendonitis, achilles slaughter diagnoses all the different times. Kind of growing up, so I got the nickname of injury prone because I couldn't stay like on the field half the time. Um, so that's actually what brought my love for strength and conditioning because I found that that really helped me stay on the field more. And then as I got into college, I really didn't have any problems with injuries. Um, and I I credit a lot of that to the strength and conditioning, but then also through injuries, I had my experience with physical therapy. So that was also a big point of, of why I kind of went that route.
0: Are you good at farmers carries?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I made a joke on Instagram one time. I, uh, my dad probably would, uh, uh, he made fun of me so much because I took a phone into the, the barn to take a video of this. Um, he's like, what the fuck are you doing, kind of a thing. But yeah, I took a video of me carrying a hay bale and said this is a real farmer's carry kind of a thing.
0: So. <laughs> That's gas. Is that your dad said that? It's, it's, yeah. My my father is. Uh, we live in Dublin, which is a city, but my father grew up on a farm, and I spent a lot of time with my grandparents in there. So, like, I'm I'm well used to the farm life as well. It's just it's just a different animal. It's a different culture altogether. It's gas though. So. Yeah. Just gas. <laughs> just fucking rough and 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 rugged. I love it. But Kavir uh, getting you on here. uh like to cover, as I said before, we hopped on and as we were um swapping around emails. I really want you to discuss your training, or your, yeah, well, your training, but I suppose more so your re- your rehabilitation model, it's basically your philosophy, and then from your philosophy, bring us into your system. So to me, this is the way I always say it, your philosophy is kind of like your why you do what you do, but your system then is ha- your how, like how you put your philosophy into action. And I really wanted you to touch on how you utilize uh, dynamic systems theory in your uh, rehab process because i've seen some presentations from you before and you the presentation i saw anyway a, a lot of the material you presented you were doing it through the lens of dynamic systems theory and constraints that approach and also if we can touch on hamstring rehab and return to performance i i don't like the term return to play i like the term return to performance because you can get someone back playing but did you get them back to their previous or if not better yeah. so so the main things i want to touch on there is your philosophy your systems uh dynamic systems theory hamstrings that's kind of where i'm gonna and listen if we run out of time we'll get back on as i said to you we can do part two three four five whatever and um, because i i actually generally like i don't know if you're listening to my podcast why like long conversations That's just me in general but we only have about another 15 minutes before i gotta go eat like yeah. dinner before i eat my hand yeah. uh so, fire ahead, man. The floor is all yours. I'll be making notes as you talk, and if I interject, I'll I'll try and wait till there's a gap, uh, or I'll raise my finger to make a a, a point because I'm trying not to cut across people. Now I'm going to shut up, and you can go ahead. So, philosophy systems, dynamic systems, hamstring—take whatever you want.
1: All right, we're going to keep me on task with that sort of thing. Yeah,
0: but no problem. Yeah, I'll keep you on.
1: Um, yeah. So, uh, big part of you know my believing in kind of background of the uh what I'm trying to accomplish is I'm trying to get people into a a state of where they have some type of locus control of the situation that's going on um with with whatever their injury is currently um coming from a rehab standpoint so I think a big part of why I uh why I believe that so heavily is just because uh, I remember being an athlete and being injured all the time and just always relying on having to go to a doctor's office or always having to rely on going to the athletic trainer's office. And yeah, certainly there was times where there's better advice that were given than other times, but, um, I never really knew how to take onus or control of the situation at myself. Um, so that was until I started figuring out how to do that myself, I kept getting myself injured. Um, so, That's what I'm trying to create for the person that's in in my room is just what can they start doing to start helping out the current situation, um, even if it's just a little bit right now. um, But then how can we start building off of that further and further? So it's it's always trying to go back to how do we give the person some type of control over their situation, um, wherever that may be, um, and where you have to start um, with uh, that individual is probably going to vary quite a bit. Um, and that's where some of the talk in the dynamic systems theory will will come into play a little bit more but um to kind of go a little bit further into my system um from the track background you know the nice thing about track you mentioned how you you get a lot of exposure to strength and conditioning uh, plyometrics and uh you know speed training and things that a lot of people just don't get that much exposure to especially just in academia yeah but um The nice thing about track and field is there's always something to measure to base your improvement off of. Whereas a team sport, it's like, you know, we won the game. That's a measure there. But uh, how much you impacted your game yourself, sometimes it's hard to reflect upon that. Um, I mean, sure, there's other statistics like points, total field goal percentage, or or various different things depending on the sport. But track and field, I mean, it's set. if you got a number for 100-meter dash, or in my case, the 400 meters, did you beat that time or was the time worse? I mean, very little things kind of come into play there. It's just, you know, time better or worse. How do we get that time better? Um, how do we keep progressing you along that and keep tracking it back to time? And it, things become very percentage-based, too, in your training as well. So um, it's, it's it's unique in that that factor where you, you can create a little bit more of that linear type of progression. But uh, I think what was nice about our coach, too, is he he recognized that not everything was going to be, you know, cut and dry on that specific day, depending on how you felt from weeks beforehand, training beforehand, weight room stuff, um, you know, things are going to be a little bit variable. So having the ability to have variability within your um, assessment, but having those KPIs that you continually monitor and those those key performance indicators that you keep looking at um, to oversee everything, but understanding how you can be a little bit variable um, within that overarching system there. So that's kind of where every, the assessments that I do on the table, um, they are some KPIs, key performance indicators that I would, I would be measuring. Um, But I'm always trying to get somebody to an exercise. So I think a lot of people spend way too much time focusing on assessments, but they don't get to an exercise as quickly as they really could, Um, or their exercises application just isn't that relatable to their assessments. Mm. Um, Whereas a good exercise is also an assessment in its own right. So um, we have various um, fundamental movement patterns that I think we know, or the majority of your listeners are probably all familiar with, you know, with like hip hinge, squat, push, pull, vertical, horizontal, um, different things of that nature, which are patterns. But then within those patterns, there's various levels of progressions of exercises that you can choose. And that right there is an assessment in and of itself. I can progress someone from those various different forms of exercises um, and and make them better at that particular uh, movement. A lot of times I'm heading in the right direction. Um, But within that uh, movement, oftentimes you find uh, things that you want to break out a little bit more or or weaknesses that you um, try to uh, expose in somebody and, and then you, you build them up stronger in that particular weakness. So, um, with, with that, that, that's kind of my KPIs or key performance indicators, which is, uh, you know, just, I have a very SFMA type of a background as far as an assessment as well as PRI. So I kind of combine both of those type of assessments and then, um, that's my on the table stuff. And then, uh, getting into exercises is very foundational strength and conditioning stuff where it's hip hinge, push pull, uh, squat, lunge, um, those type of exercises too. So those are the the big measures that I'm always looking at. Um, within that uh, measure, I'm trying to think of what am I training um, or what quality am I trying to improve. Um, so this is, I think, probably the biggest problem that I see with kind of new grads coming out or, or even the profession as a whole, just with the amount of information that's currently out there um, for just people to find online as far as uh, information goes you got instagram facebook and things like that and everybody wants the short video clips of like 20 seconds of a new exercise but nobody's really there's umpteen million exercises on instagram but no nobody's really diving deeper into why somebody picks that exercise or what they're trying to accomplish with that exercise so it all remains very superficial And I think really getting into what type of qualities you're trying to train and improve upon with an exercise in knowing those things leads you to make much better decisions. Um, But it also lets you understand how to coach an exercise extremely well. So you can uh, use that exercise in assessment because you know it so well. Whereas if you're always picking the exercise of the week from Instagram, you're 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 never able to fully kind of grasp that uh, the technique of it and the, the nuances of that exercise to um, really get the, the most out of that exercise, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like
0: you, you need con- context is what you need around the exercise. Like as you're, yeah, as you're alluding to hundred percent.
1: Yeah. So the qualities you're trying to improve upon, there's a variety of different qualities. Um, but um, I mean, we got strength, hypertrophy, power, um, coordination, Uh, A lot of things that are related to typically what we would think of um, in the musculoskeletal biomechanic world, but then there's also a cardiovascular component, um, which would be your different energy systems kind of going through the uh, ATP, uh, anaerobic, and aerobic systems and and how you can choose an exercise and and, uh, relate it back to an energy system that number 1 builds general physical preparedness in somebody but then 2 gets a little bit more specific to what type of sport you're trying to um get them back to playing again at at their previous level um i did say cardiovascular system um the i I think some people will the one one big system that I'm a huge component of is the respiratory system um and I think a lot of people will combine the cardiorespiratory system together, but they are two separate systems. They they very well function hand in hand with one another, but they are a system you can train separately of one another. So the respiratory system is a uh, the motor control aspect of how you perform respiration um, is is a is is separate than just go you know develop a cardiorespiratory base by performing some aerobic endurance program. So that, that I think is unique where a lot of people kind of miss out on that. When they hear respiration, they think of, okay, is someone just, have, do they have endurance, um, or they able to, you know, have that general physical preparedness, but how the respiratory system, uh, in and, and having motor control and being able to be variable and how you perform respiration, uh, leads to a lot of things, um, that we could go into more depth in the future too. Um, but it goes into how biomechanically your body, um, produces force or the joint positions that you, uh, put your body into, um, and the orientation of the the muscle, whether it's concentrically oriented or eccentrically oriented, based upon origin insertion, um, the the rib cage being central, um, and how a lot of the the muscles will attach to rib cage, spine, pelvis, um, will affect a lot of the distal extremities there too. So, how um, positionally uh, the respiration system can influence those sort of factors is is uh very big as far as your impact on ability to create uh movement variability is kind of the, the key term thrown around with that nowadays um kind of went off on a left field tangent there uh no, no, it's great, it's great.
0: I've, I've got the notes i've got notes made here Yes. Yeah, so so far what i've gotten is a big part of your philosophy anyway is empowerment to the individual. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, uh, getting a little bit into your system, you were saying that you kind of use a combination of s f m a p r i PRI on the table. And then when it gets back to training, you look at things from moving aspects of, you know, the kind of classic squat, uh, hinge, push, pull, you know, supported single leg, non supported single leg, that type of stuff. Like the sort of stuff you'd read in like Exos or Boyle type books. But yeah. then with, within that movement model, you have your different biomotor abilities, or some people lump them all in. To uh, what's called physical capacities so you kind of line out outline some there so like you know uh, motor, motor control then you'd have you know your overall work capacity which would kind of be the development of the aerobic system cardiovascular stuff then if we're working up that hierarchy you have your body composition so that would be like hypertrophy slash you know body fat you know trying to body composition training or hypertrophy for more so an athlete then you have getting into your strength explosive strength um power and speed type stuff so, so that's kind of what i've gotten away from you so far would that be far off
1: yeah yeah i think that's a good summary and and from that too i mean it, it's hard to you know that may seem very abstract if you're kind of looking at it through a lens yeah, like yeah. that, that fashion because it's not like this is what you do here when all the time but,
0: but it's, it's it's sorry interrupt, sorry interrupt, sorry interrupt it's it's funny you said it because i am um, just reading like sapolsky's book behave you know in the initial chapter he talks about like the the need that we have for categorizing everything and uh, it's kind of like you know yourself there is no separation among buyer motor abilities like there really is no like strength and then it's just explosive strength and then it's just elastic reactive strength and then it's just speed like they're all intermingled they're all being expressed all the time it's just a proportion of which yeah. one at any given moment. And it's the same with the energy systems. Like, the amount of times I've heard people say it's not a switch, it's not like one goes on and one goes off, they're always working. It's just, I do like the energy systems are intermingled with the buyer motor abilities. So, like, nothing is in isolation, everything's connected that type of way. But it's just that to give a frame of reference, you know, it's. And sorry, the other thing I meant to add to then was that you also then like to, when you get people back to sort of paint free if you like and, and moving well you like to add in variation then open up their their window variability um we we'll continue on there I, I do have one or one or two other things i want to ask but if you've anything to add there fire ahead
1: yeah yeah so it's it's, it's your understanding of all those components and how they work together and like you said it, it's it's everything's happening at once but just to a certain extents but yeah, your yeah. understanding of the, the variables that go into play there um, allows you to manipulate um, what variable you want to, um, depending on the case. Um, so it allows you to be much more, uh, nimble in how you approach something. Um, but in how, how I kind of take a little more of a simplified approach at looking at those components, it's something that I refer to as like a player profile. So how I think of it as if you've, uh, growing up, i everybody's probably played madden or if you if you like sports growing up you probably played video games of like madden nfl football or uh we nba played,
0: we played NBA fifa NBA,
1: you probably we, got soccer yeah we
0: soccer over here fifa is what was played over here
1: yeah so in that game there's always the uh create a player option and it pretty much lists out all the different traits um and when you're creating a player usually you only have so many points that you can distribute um across those different traits. So, you know, if you, if someone's really, really fast, they probably lack some strength component or maybe an endurance component um, because they, you've built up their other qualities and their other traits. Uh, I kind of look at everything we just talked about there as, as different traits of an individual. Yeah. And when, I, when I'm putting them through an assessment on the table or watching them do exercises, I'm kind of constantly monitoring what I feel they're really good at, um, what they are weak at, or where they could use improvement and what they're just not even aware of, or even remotely close to having any bit of competency over. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, things that they're really, really good at, we're just going to try to keep optimizing that. Um, we just want to, but we don't need to necessarily spend a ton of time there. Um, things that they want to improve upon uh, or things that they need to improve upon those qualities. We can probably spend a lot more time on those particular traits. Um, and then things that they just have no clue about, we're probably just going to want to touch on here and there. And maybe some of that is even educational so they can understand why they need to do something a little bit differently. Um, but it's not ready just yet for a major change. So um, we're just going to kind of touch on those points and maybe hit on them a little bit. Um, but then and try to build them up to a point of where we could emphasize that, in a, that quality in a training program a lot more. Um, So that they can improve that quality even more. But uh, people kind of sit in those different, different areas. And that's what I'm thinking about is just okay, what's what do we just need to optimize what's ready to improve, but isn't necessarily fully uh, at their full capacity yet. Um, And what are they just not even aware about that they could improve upon
0: great stuff my great stuff i just just so you know it, we, uh, we don't have to only have the conversation centered around athletes like because actually my next question is going to be around general population people um so the question is like regarding dis discharge um criteria that's the word i'm trying to think of discharge criteria what do you, what do you look for so like with athletes return to performance but let's say it's just like nancy coming in and you know she's got hip pain or back pain or or you know to you when is it like yep you know I think that this is you know you don't need to come see me as much maybe you know it's kind of funny like uh, Greg Lehman I had on he, he made a very interesting point he's like if you look at like strength and conditioning coaches or the strength and conditioning profession a lot of them are going to these consultancy based type roles and he's like he thinks that health practitioners should start doing that whereas like you know, like you still want Nancy to check in every six weeks and it's a consultancy type thing. Has everything gone well, that type of thing. That could be another conversation. But with general population, like what's your sort of discharge model there?
1: Yeah, so with that, um, I, I tend to talk to patients a lot, very similar to not necessarily using the same verbiage, but still talking about these different qualities that yeah, we yeah. discussed before and where they stand with each, each and every one of them. Um, saying, you know, this is where you're really good at. You know, you probably just need to kind of keep working on that sort of thing. Here's where there's some room for improvement. We can make some improvement here. Um, And here's what you're just not aware about yet. And kind of continually talking to about them and and why we're doing certain exercises and how they address those particular qualities. And not everybody wants to kind of keep going, especially general population. A lot of them, you know, if, if they get out of pain, they're just happy with that. Um, and they're fine being discharged from there. And and you can try to hold on to them longer. Um, If you if you, you can try, but if they're just if they're there for pain relief, and that's it, then they're not ready for something kind of next step next level with that. But I mean, those sort of things are always in my mind in, in talking about people, okay, this is maybe a root cause reason why you're having an issue or why things kind of keep popping up. If someone has reoccurring injuries that happen all the time, I usually don't focus so much on the painful area, but I keep focusing on why things keep popping up for them all the different times. Uh, um, And that sometimes can get a little bit better buy into some type of longer term approach. Um, So I I like to think of things a little bit more as transitions as opposed to discharges where at that point in time, if a person's just looking for pain relief and they have no kind of need no want or desire to go on to some type of fitness program i may may make a few tries at you know trying to expose them to that but if they're not ready to take or bite on that sort of thing i'm not going to push them to something they don't want to do yeah. um, whereas uh, there's a lot of people where you know they want to transition back into running for a general population exercise or weightlifting for a general population exercise um and so within that you can kind of uh make a little bit better, you can have a little bit deeper conversation with somebody as far as what they can still improve upon. And that's where having that consultant role is, is very useful because if you're, you have two options. If if you're a rehab person, um, you you could develop some type of fitness-based program on top of that or you refer out to a fitness professional. Um, I have the luxury to kind of do both depending on what the person is comfortable and, and I have the network of people that I, I will refer out to or um, vice versa, right? They're in the fitness component and things have just kind of gotten beyond their scope a little bit so they can kind of smoothly transition in and out of one another. Um, So I don't necessarily think of things as like a a discharge or a stopping point unless the individual wants it to be that way Um, or think about what we continually do to keep improving upon you. That may mean that I'm only seeing you, you know, once a month or, um, you know, every court on a quarterly basis or something like that um but uh that that's person and individual independent of, of what they what they're trying to accomplish and, and what they're comfortable doing on their own
0: yeah perfect i mean that resonates 100 percent with me it's pr- exactly how i view things as well just in regards with an athlete though getting back to a sport how do you go about that now in determining yet yeah, you're ready
1: yeah um there's different components to that's a deep question that there's a lot of different layers t- to that um but it, it some of it goes into the dynamic systems theory we were talking to and alluding to yeah, a if, you,
0: if you want to if you want to get more into that firehead of how, how you how you integrate that or how you manipulate the environment um you know obviously for new modelers you know in manipulating the tree variables environment organism and task and you know how do you incorporate that into your rehab system and, and sort of return to performance
1: yeah so with with that I mean those those are three things we have to consider is the task the organism and the environment and uh, depending on the sport that the athlete plays that the task in the environment is always going to be different Mm -hmm. Um, so the as part of your return to play you have to get somebody prepared for that environment and you have to get somebody prepared for that task so it's hard to say, you know, this is just one thing that I do for every athlete because depending on the sport, things of course. are varying there. Um, a case in that example is, is I I've recently, um, this is a, on just very recent case that is um, just starting up with me, um, but it, it's probably a good one to kind of discuss and relate to this.
0: Just but, just one thing uh, I, I'll say now to remember if if you have a possible case study, maybe that you could share, I think that's great for people and the listeners. So you might say, "Listen, here's an example," because it, it just kind of maybe helps to illuminate the you know illuminate this the, the discussion a little more. If you if you can think of one, or or if you think it's appropriate.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you got one who's a it's a collegiate punter, um, and uh, did
0: you, sorry, did you say punter as in the
1: kicker? As in a kicker for American for football. American. Yeah, yeah, got gotcha, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. So very very task specific movement that they have to do that is very different one side of the body compared to the other. Um, had a microdisectomy a while back ago. Things completely fine, not symptomatic anymore. Um, but uh, cannot punt. Uh, he can. It, the return to play criteria that he went to with the other other uh, rehab facility um, involved a lot of like sprinting jumping like different things like that um some of the specificity of it it was always so it's interesting so he was able to sprint full out no pain whatsoever um he's able to jump no pain whatever he can play pickup game of basketball without any pain but he cannot punt um and I shouldn't say he cannot punt uh it's he if he does like I mean, if you're if you're a punter, you're doing a, quite a bit of repetitions of punt during a practice. So yeah. it's to, to reproduce that practice in and practice out. Whereas if he's to do a full out practice of punting, um, he he would need to take like three four days off because he just didn't feel right afterwards. And you and and, and immediately if he would was to try it within that time frame, um, he would get pain uh, in his leg kind of from doing that. So. Um, how that kind of like that's 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 talking about the task and how that task is is very specific to that individual. Um whereas, you know, if it's if you need to get back to basketball, apparently he can do so. I mean I I did not watched him out in the basketball court mm-hmm. to see and there's some things testing wise that are still red flaggish that kind of not red flaggish, but it, it pops up on uh, you know, these are things that need to be addressed. Um, not red flaggish as in medical emergency referral.
0: I, don't, I know what you mean.
1: Um, so like toe touch, uh, he can get to his toes, but this is a previous guy that could palm the floor. Um, so things felt stiff to him there. Um, you put his legs out wider. Um, he didn't have any problems. So it was it was narrower positions. And, um, if you did any type of, uh, straight leg raise, the straight leg raise was asymmetrical, like a 20 degree difference. Mm. Um, that was there which is significant and then if you biased him into a little bit internal rotation and adduction that uh that became even more significant um which uh, would, but the whole interesting thing about it was uh, with the straight leg raise it was on his left side um so where he's getting his symptoms so left leg raising up is where he says pain but he's a right-footed punter so mm-hmm. his, his left leg is always a stance leg that stays on the ground so it never technically kind of gets up into that position of provocation that you would have with neural tension. Yeah, yeah. Probably why he's able been able to do so much stuff uh, here lately is because he, he doesn't go into an extreme amount of tension through the the neural system. There's just that cross component to the the nervous system. There tensing the opposite side is going to have some type of crossover symptomatic effect to it potentially. Um, so it's interesting how it, it, it that presentation is obviously there's something on the table, which is very, very low level that is still very pronounced um, that hasn't been addressed yet. Um, but he can do a lot of high level things because the symptoms have died down so much and he doesn't necessarily have uh, any type of fear of movement, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. um, that that kind of situation goes into, I mean, that, that's why you have to be so nimble in, in your assessments is because uh, you can't necessarily pick up on all those nuances. If I stay, if I say, you know, this is the, I'm just going to stick to the SFMA top tier assessments. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, You have to kind of take it to the next step, which is exercise based, but then also uh, what their task is and their performance as well too. Um, so, that, that's an interesting it's a, case, a recent case where i'm just starting so i don't have anywhere to kind of go from there but what we um, that is a super interesting case but it, is there
0: any previous cases that 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 you can allude to where you know like take like a, a, a an assessment and what was going through and what yeah. kind of worked and and did you integrate sort of any concepts from a constraints a constraints-led approach in, in the rehab process like yeah. if, 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 listen i know I'm, I'm kind of putting you in the spot here if you can't and, like, maybe later on today, you're like, oh, I should have told about that one. Like, we can do it on the next one. So, but I just, again, I think for the, you know, when, you're, when you know yourself, when we're talking about, like, I suppose I can make a sense of a lot of what you're talking about because I have a lot of background reading done in skill acquisition. Um, and, you know, I have a previous, like, I'm a manual therapist and I've read a lot in rehab. So, I, I can fully appreciate where you're coming from with some of the, um, abstract concepts you're coming out with but you know for some listeners a lot of this is very abstract they're kind of like if, if, if you give me like something solid they might be able to put pieces together now that's just me trying to be trying to give the listeners you know a little more something to walk away with. but it's, it's kind of a bit like fake too because we both now like listen as we kind of talk, as you said it on they need see more context you know i can't just say here's the ingredients book. so like that caveat's always going to be in there but if, if there was a case study maybe that in the back of your mind i think it'd be great to hear like
1: yeah yeah so i, I kind of actually want to go back to this last case a little bit more to kind yeah of yeah far ahead yeah context of where, where we started with things and where i'm thinking about going with it yeah oh super yeah, yeah. yeah. um with, with the individual um the the biggest thing is he's actually functioning at a high level um and he's, he's his need to compete is is high um because he uh i don't want to get too much into his detail just to for privacy purposes of course yeah that, but um he he needs to um he needs to he needs to be available to punt um is the biggest thing so can i he,
0: ask one question sorry yeah. his his injury uh did he sustain it while kicking? As in, like, was he getting the symptoms only kicking or was he in pain all the time before he got the operation?
1: Uh, he was in pain all the time before the operation, um, okay. and it wasn't kicking, no. Okay,
0: and now he only gets symptoms if he punts for a, a significant period of time, whereas he right. seems to be able to do all these... Th- That's mad, isn't it? Yeah. The, and the reason I asked that was maybe... I was wondering, was there a fear association with just punting if it was only punting that was hurting him before in that sort of way? But go ahead, sorry.
1: Yeah, so the the initial thing that we actually started off, obviously, there's some things on the table that we're trying to get addressed, which is the straight leg raise, pretty much in the toe touch. Um, but he's functioning at a high level, there's a little bit of a time frame that we're trying to work with here too. Um, and it's not like anything uh, red flag is just coming up with the symptoms. It's just like, things feel stiff, things feel tight, it's just not quite right. So I don't feel comfortable kind of doing it on back to back days. So um, we did some rehab stuff, which we'll get into. But I think the bigger thing that we started on day one here is we started coming up with like a pitch count type of a thing for a punter, which you never hear about that sort of thing for uh, that or or even like soccer. I don't know if um, someone coming back from a lower leg injury, they have like a protocol for how many kicks that you would do in a certain day.
0: Goalkeepers sometimes, yeah. A lot of goalies get groin issues from repetitive kickouts, so it could happen there.
1: Yeah, so... We kind of found what is, the you know, what's his baseline at of where, what are you confident on doing on a daily basis? Because you're going to have to do that in practice. And what's your intensity level with that too? So what's, uh, you know, what's the total number of reps that you would feel confident doing on a daily basis? And then how many of those reps do you feel comfortable doing at 100%? Um, And kind of finding a number there, but then also finding, okay, what do you need to do to win your starting job um, or to make sure you solidify that position? and um, Very good. Very good and and work backwards from that point. Yeah, and, very good.
0: I like
1: it. and kind of find that that type of task specific practice that you can keep doing and work yourself through. Um taking it back to the rehab things that we worked on there was just neural flossing. Um, we did that from a low level on the table. Um, but I kept trying to progress them as much as I could through load and manipulation of positions. So um, from that, we could we could do all your simple supine nerve gliders where you're laying on your back, um, do a straight leg raise, or you lay on your side and you do a straight leg raise. Um, you can bias people into internal rotation in those positions as well, too. We started there, um, and I told him the frequency that you do that is going to matter more than necessarily the duration. Um, so. That's another variable that you can manipulate, whereas a lot of people, when you give them a home exercise, sometimes they just think, okay, I need to just do this once a day, but I'll spend 10, 15 minutes on it, whereas there's certain times where there's particular exercises where if you spend one to two minutes on it, but you do it every couple hours or so, you're going to have a much greater effect, but the client has to know about that, so if you don't tell them, they're not going to know what to do, so uh, that's that's another variable that you can kind of manipulate in there. So he's doing these nerve glides on a very, very frequent basis. Um, he had it, the, his motion improved after it. So I was like, okay, well, it's improving. There's mm-hmm. no reason for me to say, let's slow this down and not do something a little bit more aggressive. Um, so we did different, um, neural glider things kind of in like, uh, a, a half kneeling position. Um, so you familiar with like the Spider-Man where you are kind of in the ha- half kneeling one legs up your hands are down by that front leg and the back legs um yeah extension. Yeah, yeah like like, world's, like yeah. world's greatest
0: stretch type thing yeah yeah, yeah, world's great.
1: yeah. so that so would be kind of a, a more loaded it gets the athlete into a split position which he's going yeah. to have yeah um and then he can go through some different ranges of motion we can straighten the knee bend the knee um work on but, rotation
0: great can i just ask you so there was there was an asymmetry in his leg raise, but when he when he did his bilateral toe touch, was there a shift in the pelvis, or could, you were saying he could still touch his toes? And did you look at unilateral toe touch?
1: Yeah, so looked at unilateral toe touch. Left was a little bit more limited than right, which is kind of what you would expect. But if you kept going, so it was, it was like a it was a, it was, it was odd, I would say, because I haven't really seen this too much. Whereas any any
0: sorry, any pain too? Sorry, to cut across.
1: No pain, just tightness. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah at this point. So, um, what, if your feet were together going down, he could touch his toes. There was no kind of neural, like catch. Some people will describe like a catch when they go down, mm. um, the, the neural, uh, tension. Um, there, there was nothing there. It just felt like he couldn't go as far as he normally would be able to. And it, the left side was more tensiony, um, and stopping him from wanting to push any further. Gotcha. You space him out, um, about shoulder width apart and You have them go down to one toe versus the other. Uh, very prominent, a little bit more asymmetry in the, the left than the right there. But if you went wider than shoulder width apart and kind of went into that real wide hip abducted position that you'll see some people just doing um, stretches before like a game, yeah, you could do that in all positions, no problem whatsoever. If you went really wide into abduction, okay. Um, so uh, it's just interesting how you you change positions a little bit, it manipulated things like that. Um, the the interesting part was when we got him when I had him get into that world's greatest stretch. Um, I had him just start in like a half kneeling position and then go down and touch both hands to the ground. Yeah, yeah. By on both sides. When his left leg was in extension, he had the uh, neural kind of catching or, or tugging feeling, where it felt like there was almost he descri- described it just as like a lot of PTs will describe it, where it's like a rope kind of going through a hole that just gets kind of caught up in something. Yeah, yeah. It's not really painful. It just feels like it's getting caught. Um, and that's what he described, which is interesting because that half kneeling position is very similar to his punting position where the left leg is an extension. The support leg, yeah. Left. yeah. So um, that – but working through that position, I could have him almost like a Turkish getup uh, where we go down with the left hand first and the right yeah, arm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: I guess, he yeah. You didn't, didn't get any of the tugging um, or that tethering. So you did that a few times and then he could go down with both hands and he didn't get any of that tugging. Wow. Then we work that up into like a normal world's greatest stretch position. So, I mean, that in and of itself may be, I mean, I, I don't know what, that's fairly recent. I'll have to keep you updated on how that goes with things, but yeah. um, it's interesting how that, that position correlates with some symptoms also correlates with his task. Uh, but then also it, there was an improvement that happened within session that like. maybe
0: correlating I, I tell you why i'm smiling the listeners won't see this but i'm smiling you're probably like, why is he smiling it's because for me you you just kind of came full circle there because earlier on you uh you, you, you i've written down here in my notes uh you know try and get to an exercise as fast as possible and then you said as well the exercise can become an assessment in itself so with this with this guy that's kind of what happened you know you got him to this half kneeling position it became an early an assessment because he he gave you some feedback in terms of symptoms, and then you realise I could I can exercise him here. It's almost like that transition part in the Turkish getup, and there was an improvement, and like yeah, I I, I so it kind of it brought that full round for me. So just that case study there now, it it's 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 brought to light like sort of your sort of model, um on on how that may look in clinic or even as you say out on the gym floor when you're when you're doing your rehab. Yeah. So it's very very good. Kabir, we only have a few more minutes left. Um, definitely want to touch, get you back on about hamstrings yeah, sure. and ACL too. Because I know you You just actually make sure we do this for the listeners. Obviously, I'll plug sportsrehabexpert.com. But you have some outstanding continuing education courses there as well and some mentorship courses that you deliver online. So make sure you just plug those real quick. Well, don't be quick, but just plug them.
1: Yeah, yeah. So... The the cool thing about sports rehab our uh, sports rehab expert is the the membership site's kind of what has been around forever. That's the what Joe Heiler actually started eight years ago. I think it's over eight years now.
0: It's more two thousand nine when I signed up, so it's yeah. ten years. Yeah. yeah,
1: ten years, and that's that's kind of been becoming less and less popular, but because of it puts the onus on the individual to do something like you have to go into that membership site, but there's 10 years of information on there. If you just download uh, an audio interview from, uh, oh. you know, years that it's been. Um, yeah. Yeah, I actually like,
0: have an article up there about how interesting we have. have to, yeah, it's, uh, a, it's, uh, it's, it's an, albie. It's an yeah. albie, but it's a goodie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, there's so much information on there. And that's why I like the product so much because I consider myself a product of the product. Because that, if, if I never went on that rotation with Joe Heiler, I would have never been given access to that site. And I got access to that site my uh, going into the, um, that final rotation, which was after my third year of PT school. So that third year of PT school, all during the school, I, was, I went through every article and every interview in that site. Uh, at that point in time. So I think it was about like four or five years on the site worth already of that information mm-hmm. that was there. And I went through everything before that rotation and then had a rotation with Joe and like that, all that stuff prepared me for that rotation with Joe. And then it just kept building off of that experience even more. So um, why I like that membership site so much is it's, it's a product of, I feel like I'm a product of that product. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I think it's so great. Now, it does, again, it puts you, you have to go in there and you have to download those things, listen to those things, go through the site and then ask questions. We have a Facebook group where you can ask questions, um, but it puts a little bit more onus on you. Um, but, uh, you know, we're there to help you out in any way we can. Um, so that's why I like the membership site. Very, very simple. I mean, if you just want to get give it a try, it's a, right now we're doing a 60 day trial for just a dollar. I mean, then what? after a dollar. It, yeah. So it, it's um, stupid. It's stupid not even to try just with the amount of information that is on there and and I guarantee you'll like it. So that, that's kind of where the foundation of everything is. But then I understand that there's people who want you to hold the hand a little bit more and show you exactly what you do because in that site, like you have to search around for different things. Whereas if I come at you with a course, I can show you the system of how I went about applying this in, into how into my rehabilitation program so that's where the courses are starting to come into play um, so we have different courses now um, that go over like that overarching philosophy here are the exact assessments that I use here are the exact exercises that I use here's what I'm looking at with those exercises and then here's how we kind of take take a person from A to B sort of thing depending on an injury so um, that that's where the site's going is starting to build some of that out too
0: uh, yeah well you've hamstring and an ACL courses that's that yeah what?
1: Yeah, right now, there's there's three main ones. There's a hamstring, uh, ACL, and a hip impingement, of course. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, and then there's uh, a couple just very small e-books, which is the Exercise Roadmap and a Plyometric Roadmap. It's just some of the favorite things that I like to use. So those are only $47 just to kind of, uh, again just get yourself some exposure to it and if you're liking it even more then the, then you can get into some of those higher level courses Sweet, but
0: that'll all be, be in the show notes so a few like uh, quick fire round ones for you now. i say they're quick fire round then when i ask some people go these aren't fucking quick fire round but <laughs> you can listen make your answer as long or as short as you want and with i could stick around for another let me see eight plus five 13 minutes uh, okay so and then I'm going to get you back on to talk more about, maybe get some more case studies, but definitely about hamstrings and ACLs. Um, and just in case I don't say it to you before we go offline, I really appreciate you making time today and talking to me. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Um, your biggest lessons you've learned so far in your life? I now mean, A lot of people go, that's not a fucking quick fire round. But if you were to give like a Zen answer to it, what would you say has been the biggest sort of lesson you've learned so far? yeah how, um, how old are you greg by the way sorry to ask
1: i'm 29 we'll be 30 here in june ah you're hitting the
0: all 30s i'm 30 I, i'm 31 already so I'm yeah. sorry i need to say everyone laughs at the irish someday 30 we don't say the h we say 30 30 um But uh go ahead yeah biggest yeah, yeah, lesson you've learned still, so far in your in your three decades almost three. Decades.
1: Big, yeah biggest life lesson is uh and i can take you back to three examples for why this is important but if you surround yourself with people who are just as good as you or better than you it's going to make you better so um as far as sporting goes uh you know as a track athlete um i noticed my in high school small community right there's not too many athletes that are kind of at that caliber that are ready to go to a collegiate level so you get to a collegiate level you realize there's a ton of good athletes out there um but I was lucky enough to be surrounded by five other people who were really good at the 400 meters at that school, at uh, University of Findlay's, where I went. And uh, so only four of those guys are going to make it on a relay team, and all four of them are going to compete for the best 400-meter runner on that team too. Um, so we would we all loved each other, but we would go at it day in and day out. And that's, I mean, my time started dropping, I think, because of that daily competition. Yeah, yeah. Um, taking it to rehab, uh Joe Heiler, sports rehab expert. That was never a thing for me. I would not be where I'm at today either. Um, so again, if surrounding myself with people who are just as good to me or three steps ahead of me, um, that takes me at a much quicker pace as far as progression goes.
0: So surround yourself with quality people. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how do you learn? What's your learning process? So just what what, I, what I'll add to that is if let's just say there's a topic that you just become obsessed with how do you go about mastering that topic
1: uh doing it um i, I, I would used to say i would try to learn as much as i could about it before doing it um and uh that over probably in the last three four years that's completely changed where it's like okay i gotta figure out what's good enough like 80 that whole 80 20 rule kind of deal uh, what is good enough and then you got to get it out there and then you can refine your and optimize from there. Um, so, uh, getting comfortable with failing and in, in doing it, um, and mm-hmm. refining it from there, uh, does that answer the question? I think it yeah, does. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So you you, you like to... Yeah, because a lot of people say, oh, I'll read and I'll listen and to podcasts yeah. or I'll watch videos or I'll contact experts.
1: Now, but now I hate things if I read it, but I don't end up putting it to use. It to practice, oh. yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: To, to me, it's, 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 it's everything. You know, it's, it's everything. I really like there was an answer from Ben House where he's like, you got to like take the concepts from other people, but then you got to cre- create something from that that's your own. So yeah. you take all these different inputs, like works from other people, again, and you can take in the works through reading or listening or watching or contacting the experts. And then you need to take all of that, create something of it that's your own, and then you need to experience it as well. Um, and like I suppose Paul check he talks about education versus experience. Education is somebody who's really book smart, but they don't actually live it. Then the experienced person is someone who lives it, but they have no fucking idea about like. The, the the principles that underpin it and it's like you don't it's not the either or is like worse or better it's you want to yeah. have both like you know what i mean but yeah. uh, i definitely i think for for the most part most people lack the doing part more than the knowing part so i i, I resonate with what you're saying yeah um your what oh, else oh yes is there anything you do on a daily basis that's essential to your day
1: eating <laughs> Uh, uh, i love food <laughs> um, yeah
0: you're 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 fucking preaching to the choir but i'm uh, definitely i'm definitely a uh i live to eat person you know what i mean like I, if if we ever met in person we would probably spend half the time talking about food why didn't i tell you about this meal
1: yeah no it's um something i would say just trying to accomplish something every day i, I probably could get better at myself as far as like writing something down and having a, a order to it um that needs to get done but i always make sure that i like
0: i'm, I'm sure the website though keeps you keep keeps you to that a little probably, bit because you're yeah, constantly yeah. having to have content and deadline well not deadlines but probably deadlines you put on yourself to make sure like an article is going out or a, an audio podcast is going out or
1: yeah yep yeah. um so there's there's a uh, that's almost like forced there um having that type of uh it's almost accountability to a yeah, certain like, it, it is that.
0: good in a way though to have it isn't it like
1: Yeah. And that, that I think, uh, ties back into your other question though, is, is, so for me, it's, it's probably having something that's holds me accountable for actually doing. Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, if you don't have that surrounding yourself with people who are as good of you or better than you're going to hold you accountable, one, either they're going to call you up and say, Hey, what are you doing type of Mm a thing? Or, you know, talking back and forth, what are you learning? Or, um, it's just going to make you feel bad because they're going to pass you by because you're not keeping up with them. So it's going to hold you accountable kind of with that competitive edge that you would have. So uh, yeah, I think that ties into your other question well.
0: All right. Four more for you. Aside from Joe Heiler... Who yeah. else has been the biggest influences on you? Not only professionally, but also personally. So who've been your biggest professional and personal influences? Well, I'd say your dad is one given that. I know you talked to him earlier on from the personal yeah. aspect. Joe's one, obviously from the professional, probably personal too, but is there anyone
1: else? Uh, track coaches, um, both, uh, in high school there, Americans
0: that. always say coaches. It's so yeah. funny. Like, i uh, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Um, so both of them, uh, different personalities, uh, but just, uh, I don't think I would have, especially the high school, my high school coach, I don't think I would have liked uh, track. I got into track because I wanted to get better at football and basketball, so I wanted to be more athletic. Um, I don't think I would have liked it as much if it wasn't for the coach just having uh, – just he's a real competitive, fiery guy that I can just get behind and, and love him. So um, that sort of thing really made me like the sport. Um, and if it wasn't for track, there would be a lot of opportunities that I would have missed out on both personally, but then also, um, uh, development career wise too. Um, so I just have a lot of uh, gratitude and in, in depth for, uh, that for him as well. Can you name him? Yeah. Mike, Mike Forner. Forner just, is just
0: give him a shout out. That's all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> as um, you listen to this, probably not, but <laughs> you never know. You never What's know. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Just fast forward all the way. <laughs> um, your top and current book recommendation so what's your top book that you give away and what are you currently reading
1: um, and, a, and a
0: book the book can be from any domain it's, it doesn't have to be just limited to like you know uh strength and conditioning or rehab it can be anything
1: yeah yeah um top book uh gosh
0: what's your favorite book
1: well, so if we're going from like strength and conditioning, uh, I really like triphasic and then anything from Franz Bosch, um, for rehab, um, uh, things, I forget the name of it. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Uh, it's, uh, hmm. I'm not reading it currently, but that's why I can't think of it off the top of my head. But, um. It has to, it's, uh, gosh, what the heck's the name? Um, it's, it's th- 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 oh, yeah, go ahead. So he's yeah, say, it's, the resp- it's about respiration. Um,
0: yeah, Google it there all you want. you no rush. Yeah, it depends
1: on how long it'll take.
0: <laughs> but listen, you can always, I'll, I'll put it into the show notes and, and uh, I can say it in the intro. So. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I mean, it's not the easiest read in the world because it's got some deeper stuff to it. And it's something that I have to circle back around to and read again. But I'll give you the, I'll let you know the name of it
0: not the anatomy of breeding that book no
1: that no no i can't feel um i can't believe i can't think of the name right now this isn't happens oh, but yeah we'll have to come back to it i'll give you i'll give you the name for the show notes for sure yeah
0: yeah definitely so for people listening being the show notes for definite um
1: uh, sorry what are you what are you currently reading so uh i'm not currently reading anything but that is because i am currently coming out with a book here soon for sports rehab very very so that's been taking up a lot of my time your deep
0: your deep work as Kyle newport would yeah, say.
1: yeah so um there's not there's there's a different answer there's, there's a twist to that answer
0: yeah yeah perfect per- well so there's there's something in the works for pace there's yeah. something in the works <laughs> uh stay tuned um last two for you you're getting on the starship enterprise and it's a one-way ticket so you're told Greg, Starship Enterprise is leaving in 365 days on planet Earth and I'm sorry, but you can never come back. So you've only one year left on planet Earth. How would you spend that year and why?
1: How would I spend that year? Uh, I would start traveling. There's a lot of places that I want to see. Um, that, uh, I, I would There's want a bed to... for you here, bud. What's that?
0: There's a bed for you here. Yeah.
1: There's a home here. For sometime, so for you. Yeah. When
0: you're coming to Dublin, you have a home here.
1: Yeah. I'll I make it out there. We gotta, we got we'll put a course out there too, or something. Absolutely, absolutely. Fucking if people
0: listen to this, they'll be coming to you. if the the if anyone did listen to this, they'll be coming up to you like Gaelic football players, because like we kick the football, like we punt football. So they'll be saying to you, yeah. "I heard
1: you fixed that punter. Can you fix me?" Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so you travel the world. So any any particular place you'd like to go or see?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm going to uh vancouver here this summer beautiful, uh, it's beautiful. You know, i love Hollywood. vancouver it's gorgeous and then um i, I want to get out to to greece and italy's so i coliseum i want to see that at some point in time so those are some those are some big areas
0: great great last where, one for you where was
1: game of thrones filmed that in
0: game you're asking the wrong man i've never oh, watched man. it i'm one of those
1: i thought it was i thought it was in ireland maybe i'm mistaken by that and i hope i'm not but uh
0: Fuck if it was, I don't know. And if, uh, the, and if for the Game of Thrones fans, listen to this they'll, they'll be appalled, but I, I just yeah. never watched it. Uh, last one for you. Uh, what I will say to you is, listen, don't panic. Just be authentic. Just be in, just be in the moment. Because when I ask this question, sometimes people are like, I, I'll have to get back to you. It's like, no, no, come on. Just give me an answer now. Calm down. Because a lot of people want to make this answer profound. But, but uh, again, just what, whoever comes to your mind, just say. So... I meet up with you, we go for dinner and I say to you here, I have the magic powers with me tonight and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, I can bring people back from the dead. And you're like, right, I knew you were a weirdo, but now you're creeping me out. But I say to you, Greg, listen, I'm going to take you for dinner. Your family don't count. You can bring five people to this dinner, dead or alive. Who would you bring to the dinner and why? Um. Any five people now. Yeah, except yeah. except the media family.
1: Okay, Charles Woodson. Um, nice. Both of them are probably going to be athletes. Uh, Charles Woodson, Barry Sanders. Um, five. Uh, okay. Why did nine. Barry play for such a shit team? I uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Lions, my home state. But yeah, they're they're. He was, he made them fun at least. Um, he was those, amazing yeah so the those are two athletes um i would uh kevin hart and the rock
0: oh you know? yeah did you yeah. listen to his podcast with joe rogan lately kevin Hart? yeah brilliant.
1: yeah it's a, it a good one brilliant
0: brilliant yep. so yeah great stuff and
1: then we need one more um uh oh uh scarlett johansson just uh because she's freaking phenomenal so uh yeah i like yeah. it you gotta add a female into it
0: too man I appreciate that I appreciate it so much listen I'll say goodbye to you offline but for the listeners I'm definitely gonna get this gentleman back on because I really want to talk about ACL rehab and hamstrings yeah well. for sure so for everyone listening as I say at the end of every show as I've been saying as well lately you're spoils rotten people with all this great information but uh, aside from that as I say at the end of every show take care be well and stay strong